Hey, Shakes Pals. Happy Thursday. I am so excited to be here, and I hope you are all excited to be here, too. I hope you're having a good day. Um, huge thanks again to Nicole for coming on last week to talk about being midsize in theater, costuming, and all of the things that come with that responsibility of inclusive casting. It you know, isn't always an easy thing to talk about, but I think it's really important, and the response to that episode has been amazing. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here with us. Now, this week, we've got Dr. Varsha Penjwani on to talk about the best personality in Shakespeare, which is a high, there are a lot of characters to choose from. It's a high bar. So we are keeping things light and fun right before we dive into villain season starting next week. So today's episode, I, gosh, I had so much fun. My mind was like exploding as Varsha was talking, and I know you're all going to enjoy it. So if you do, please remember to like, share, um, give us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much for our numbers. So thank you to all of you who have reviewed us. And if you haven't yet, Give us a little, give us a little uh, piece of what you think in Apple Podcasts. Um, also, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash p2mpod. We've got a lot of great stuff happening over there. So I hope you all check it out. I hope you love the episode today. And I hope you are doing great. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head to head each week and you get to decide who wins. Okay, so this week we are talking about the character with the best personality. Before we jump into villains and all of that dark stuff, we are lightening things up with just the best person in Shakespeare. And speaking of best people, I've got with me, she's a lecturer at NYU in London and the host of the Women in Shakespeare podcast, Dr. Varsha Penjwani. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. I'm such a fan of your show. And you. I, I really feel very bad for you. <laughs> because of what we guests put you through. Um, but, I, and I, but I really, like, in a very bad way, enjoy it as well <laughs> when you have to defend some seriously messed up choices on this show. I'm Honestly, very excited. That's what makes it, that's half the fun here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to putting you through that too. Well, I'm also looking forward to that. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find the work you do, especially Women in Shakespeare, which y'all is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. So let everyone know where they can download that immediately. Thank you so much. I, um, I'm really excited whenever anyone says they're listening to the Women and Shakespeare podcast, because I was so um, angry after a while in my field that women were not being invited to conferences and to lectures and to just publicly speak. Um, so in Women and Shakespeare, we talk about all sorts of subjects uh, with experts who are creatives and who are scholars and somehow all of them are women. We have managed where others 
somehow could not to find so many amazing women talking about these things. So um, it's just the usual suspects. You can hear it on Apple. You can hear it on Spotify. But if people want the whole transcript, which is there for every show, then it would be www.womenandshakespeare.com. Perfect. Yeah, I cannot I cannot recommend it enough. It's a really amazing chance to get to hear some incredible women talk about Shakespeare. And I mean, I was listening to the latest episode this morning and it made my whole day. So <laughs> definitely jump on that. Um, so we're talking best personality. And Varsha, who do you think has the best personality in all of Shakespeare? So I think that it is Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing. And I'm defining best personality as somebody who I would love to hang out with and enjoy her company, but know that she has my back as well. Um, so that is how I'm defining the best personality. And hands down, I think it is Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about this and you know that I agree with you. So I'm a little nervous. Who do I think has the best personality in all of Shakespeare? I mean, Stephanie, I was wondering who, I mean, based on your personality, I thought, who would Stephanie think is the best personality? And I have no idea why you think that Duke Orsino from Twelfth Night is the best personality. <laughs> oh, I'm so... Uh, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> oh, no. Why don't you, um, while I scramble a little bit in my brain, why don't you take it away for how amazing Beatrice is and why she has the best personality? Of course. Uh, so before we even begin anything, uh, could we just take some time to appreciate Beatrice's witty comebacks? They are yes. so handy. Everyone keep a list of these handy comebacks. So the one I really love is when Benedict has just come back from the war and he has been talking to everybody, but he hasn't yet acknowledged Beatrice. And Beatrice comes to him and says, I wonder that you will still be talking, Senor Benedict. Nobody marks you. And I love it. It's such a burn that yep. you're like, are you still talking, mate? I don't think anyone's listening to you anymore. Sorry. And I have wanted to say this so many times in meetings. Oh I'm my sure gosh. you've been there. Yes. <laughs> right? When some mansplainer is on his own trip, like it's, you all want to go out, have some lunch, but this guy is just talking and talking about, you know, one time when he designed something and it has nothing to do with anything. And you're all rolling your eyes at each other, thinking, mate, are you still talking? Seriously, nobody's listening to you. Read the room. <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely love this. Um, that Beatrice says, and I have it about me all the time, but I'm waiting to use it. I've never been bold enough to actually sure. say it to someone. And then uh, Benedict at one point is being like too cool for school. And he's saying things like, 
oh, you know, all these women love me, but I don't love anyone. And Beatrice, without missing a beat, she's like, that's a dear happiness to all women. Thank God. (laughs) So I just love that as well. It's amazing that she like has all of this. And I know so much of it is in performance because it's written, right? But they just come so it's like she does have them loaded up in her brain and she's just like waiting to fire them off. Absolutely. This girl is she's like, you know, a speed of flight. And then Benedict, our she, he he she really gives it as good as she gets. So Benedict at one point says, but keep your way in God's name. I have done. OK, argument over. I've done with you. And she says to him, you always end with a Jade's trick. I know you of old. Um, So obviously what literally uh, she's saying that you're like a Jade, you're like, you know, a used horse, you stop abruptly um, and not caring. But what she actually, as we know, (laughs) means or what she's implying is that, of course, you stop when you want and when you're done, you roll over on your side of the bed and you start snoring just because you're done and you leave (laughs) others high and dry, (laughs) whether they're finished or not. Of course, (laughs) she she really puts him through his paces. And imagine like this is in front of everyone. This is, you know, everyone has come home from war. Everyone is hanging out, having a party. And like, that's, uh, (laughs) that's where she leaves it. And it's so brutal and it's so spicy. Oh, it is. And you can't even say anything. She didn't directly say, say that. So I think that her witty comebacks make her such a great uh, personality to hang out with. And you can't say that about many Shakespeare characters that, you know, I feel I can really hang out with her. I can admire them, but I feel like they would get on my nerves. Not Beatrice, though, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because I think she really speaks to her. a woman, I think, in her 30s or 40s. Um, Well, you know, when you think you're old and confident enough to know who you are and what you want and still young enough to have FOMO, (laughs) so she does want to go to parties and listen to what everyone has to say, but she's confident. Um, And I could imagine hanging out with her and like having these night-long gossip sessions Uh, painting our nails and then her coming out with something like you know what I had rather hear my dog bark at a crow than a man swear he loves me (laughs) and I think I would heartily agree and say oh I know what you mean because I think she's seen enough players like um, I think even Juliet at her age, was tired of Romeo swearing by the moon, right? She's like, oh, yeah, don't swear by the moon. That's just old. Let's just talk properly. And I think Beatrice has seen so many of these players swearing, oh, I love you so much. And then when you need them, they are nowhere. (laughs) 
So she now wants more substance to a relationship, but that is such a good articulation of that frustration that, you know what, I'd rather hear a dog bark at a crow than a guy just go on and use empty words like, oh, your eyes are so beautiful. Oh, I love you. So I think it's so beautiful. I've never really thought about it in that context of like her having heard it so many times or even if Juliet at 13 is already sick of it, where's Beatrice in that escalation? That's really, that's a really good point. Yeah, I really feel it in my bones. <laughs> and I think where she is talking about the kind of man she wants and she's saying uh, about beards and she says, he that hath a beard is more than a youth and he that hath no beard is less than a man. And he that is more than a youth is not for me. And he that is less than a man, well, I'm not for him. And that is also such an amazing line because at a certain point, when you um, start kind of, you know, seeing men, they're already so old at this age. Like you say, oh yeah, fine, we'll start dating. And the next thing you know, they're in their shorts and they are in your sofa watching telly and just eating dinner. And you think, why? How are you so old all of a sudden? And you don't want to be with them because they are too old in their 30s and 40s. Or you have like, you know, seriously young men who are exciting but then you just want to say to them like do you know what all of these ups and downs I've been there done that and you just like end up mummying them so (laughs) this kind of conundrum of too old too young not for me I I think it's it's beautiful I can hang out with this girl and um, you know all night long wow I also think, though, that she's not only witty. She's also, I think she'll have your back. And I think that is so important because she's such a great friend and such a great sister. Um, And I mean it in terms of sisterhood, that she is such a great sister because she really sticks it to the patriarchy. And I think uh, the scene I'm thinking about, you know, is um, where Beatrice's cousin Hero is supposed to get married to Claudio. And God, Claudio, you're very lucky that I'm not, you know, giving you Claudio to defend. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And Benedict is present because he's Claudio's friend. And by this time, Beatrice has realized that she has feelings for Benedict. And at the wedding... Um, Claudio suddenly claims that Hero has cheated on him the previous night. And even though she's telling him that I haven't, uh, he doesn't listen to her. And he leaves her at the altar and she faints. And for all he knows, she might be dead. And at that point, when Claudio slut shames and leaves the wedding, Beatrice is so supportive of Hero. And I think what is amazing about this is that she is supportive despite the fact that she has heard Hero say some pretty unkind things about her just the day before. 
So, of course, we know as audience that Hero was sort of putting on an act and was wanting Beatrice to think that Benedict is in love with her and that Beatrice is being hard-hearted to refuse. But Beatrice doesn't know that. She has just been eavesdropping. And I think it would be very heartbreaking for her to hear that her friends think she is proud and they call her self-endeared. Because she doesn't, she isn't self-endeared. She loves others so passionately. Um, and we also learn in this scene that Beatrice has not slept in the same room as Hero the night before. And usually in productions, they show that, oh, that's because she's dizzy with discovery that Benedict loves her or that uh, she has a cold. But I think that she is very hurt that Hero and her friends said all of these things about her and doesn't want to, therefore, you know, sleep with Hero that night. Um, and despite all of that, she supports Hero. And I think this is really important because Shakespeare is showing what happens when bonds between women break. It gives men the opportunity to tear them apart. And in this society, survival depends on women sticking together. And I think in Shakespeare's time and in our time, if we women don't stick together, well, despite our differences, and I think we should have differences, but despite all of that, if we don't stick together, patriarchy will chew us and spit us out. So we have to remember what we are up against and boy, does she stick up for hero Beatrice and for all women, because she really cannot bear the injustice of it. Um, and I'm just going to quote what she said. She says, oh, that I were a man, what, bear her in hand until they come to take hands. And then with public accusation, uncovered slander, unmitigated rancor, oh God, that I were a man, I would eat his heart in the marketplace. And he has deserved it because Beatrice cannot believe that uh, guys can come over, they can slut shame you, they can destroy your reputation and honor and leave you at the altar and you cannot do anything about it. And she's so frustrated that she uh, goes ahead and tells uh, Beatrice, uh, Benedict to kill Claudio. And even though um, moments ago with Benedict, they had um, been professing their love to each other. So she knows she might lose him over this, but she still says it. Uh, so it's really sisters before misters for this woman. And I want to be with her. Um, also, I think that I would, uh, she's very wise and perceptive. I would absolutely ask her for dating advice uh, because she's flirty. She flirts with Don Pedro, um, which in my book really adds to her personality. Mm -hmm. uh, so Don Pedro at one point says, um, Lady Beatrice, I'll get you a husband. And she says, well, I would rather have one of your fathers getting. <laughs> and this is so funny. I love it. Um, but when he does propose to her, she says no. And I think she's very emotionally smart for saying no. She does it very politely, but firmly. She says, your grace is too costly to wear every day. Um, and I think it's the best choice because... Don Pedro is more like Prince William, I think. And this woman is no Kate Middleton. Uh, so when it comes down to it, um, also he sides with Claudio, Don Pedro, and he calls Hero a common stale. 
Um, I don't think that, uh, you know, Beatrice can be with a man like that. And I'm glad that she tests Benedict uh, and tests whether he's going to be an ally um, because presumably he has broken her heart once. We know uh, from the text that they have some history and uh, she really wants to know if he's on her side and if he can stand by a woman like her and if he can be proud uh, about a woman like her. I also think there's more at stake for Beatrice because she loves so passionately. Um, she says to Benedict, I love you with so much of my heart that none is left to protest. And isn't that the most, I wouldn't say romantic, but isn't that the most passionate thing you could say to someone? It's my favorite scene all in all of Shakespeare. It's, I think that line has so much power in it and so much, like you said, so much passion in it that just... Oh, it's so full and it's so heavy and it's so beautiful. I love it. Like a little piece of my heart isn't left to protest. I love you so wholeheartedly, as you said. It's just so heavy. It's so full. Um, so for all her merry sparkliness, uh, she's a woman of great substance, capable of great love. Um, but finally, I think... I'm a little bit partial to this uh, because I feel that Beatrice is the best personality because I've seen Emma Thompson and Mira Sayal play Beatrice. And I think perhaps I'm imagining when I say I would love to hang out with Beatrice, perhaps I'm imagining I'm hanging out with Emma Thompson and Mira Sayal. And so I'm really fangirling. And they've played it so well, their comic timing is amazing. They've played Beatrice as so witty, so warm, so intelligent. And Mira Seal playing Beatrice was really, really special for me because usually brown women, by which I mean um, British South Asian women, are always presented as like victims of arranged marriages who are <laughs> sort of woe is me, or, you know, sounds of woe, as the play says. It's all about that. But with Mirasial playing Beatrice, such a modern woman with um, such, uh, you know, views about marriage and insisting on that equality, it really turned that image on its head. Um, and so from, you know, sounds of woe, she was like, hey, nonny, nonny, we don't care, right? You know what? We'll choose our husbands. And for me, this was important because it showed very publicly that you can be brown and feminist. You know, you don't always have to be a victim. Uh, so I think for me, that was very special. And I, that is why partially, I think I'm arguing Beatrice is the best personality because I'm imagining hanging out with Mira Seo. <laughs> um, but have you considered <laughs> that it's not Beatrice at all? It's Duke Orsino from Twelfth Night. Um, and now I'm going to admit that I spent the last few minutes not thinking of my argument at all because I was so wrapped up in listening to you uh, and like had literal goosebumps at points through it. So... We're going to um we're going to talk about Orsino. And I think where I want to take Orsino is 
post Twelfth Night. So if we are extrapolating the character, kind of removing them from the play a little bit and talking about best personality, I do think that Orsino is going to be great post Twelfth Night, like post the events of the play, because he's someone who who feels very deeply and wants very badly. He loves and he uh, feels and he like he's just so in the moment. He's in his moment and in his world. And I think when he finds Viola and has that connection and they and it, it's reciprocated where Olivia never was, I think this unlocks a piece of him that we haven't really seen in the play. And I think that it would be genuinely someone that I would like to hang out with. He's someone who's always having house parties with like concerts in his backyard. He's built a little stage in his backyard for local bands to come play. He's always inviting, uh, you know, artists to come and and perform. Something's all always happening. I think he and Viola have a bunch of kids. I think they're happy. I think they're like your your neighborhood. You know, they're <laughs> they've got the cul-de-sac party going. <laughs> And they have, I think that he can genuinely have a good relationship with Olivia as well because they're family now. This is someone that in my version of Orsino, which is definitely <laughs> supported in the text somewhere, uh, <laughs> I think that he can be self-reflective and kind of talking with Viola as Cesario has opened up some introspection in him because of how um introspective Viola is she's taught him to be a little bit of that about himself and maybe he's a bit embarrassed about the way he acted with <laughs> Olivia he has to be embarrassed about the way he acted with Olivia um so he's got that those feelings he's shifted that a little bit and he's able to have a genuine friendship with Sebastian with Olivia with Viola with everyone in Illyria He's just like, he's king of Illyria and he's throwing a party and he's in love. And, you know, when you talk about someone you want to hang out with, I'm going to give you two options. <laughs> Do you want to hang out with someone who you could never possibly be as good as or as cool as or as smart and witty and funny and strong as? Or do you want to hang out with someone who makes you feel a little bit better about yourself? <laughs> That's so bad. I know it's awful. <laughs> That's so bad, Stephanie. Listen, you're giving you me want to be with someone who makes you feel good about yourself by being so. <laughs> he's just so whiny, and he's so. Oh, he's you, such a sad you. boy. <laughs> um, I, I get you this is guaranteed if you step out with Orsina you will feel very good about yourself <laughs> and people will, people will prefer your company oh, to, to Orsina so I'll give you that wholeheartedly but if you if you step out with Orsina if you step out with Beatrice, yeah, there is a chance that people will want to be with Beatrice more and hang out with her more. Um, but yeah, if you step out with Orsino, definitely they'd be devising plans how to get rid of him very soon. 
Oh man, this is so this is so difficult because I do I do genuinely think that like and I know like they're not real people. Uh so post play doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. He's just what it is in the play, but I do think that he has potential to be a really good person. He just hasn't quite figured it out yet and he needed Viola to teach him a little empathy and a little introspection and a little like but he does support uh local artists he does love music and he is genuinely feels things deeply um do you think he's the kind of guy who really loves music and i'm torn about this so i just want your side on it do you think he actually like really loves music and blues and things like that or is he the kind of guy who just goes and invites these cool bands i mean he doesn't feel it he doesn't know it but he just invites these cool bands so that people would think he's cool <laughs> and he doesn't really connect i so i do think he feels music i think there's the scene with um viola as cesario where he says give me that strain again and he actively and i mean it's hard when the song that Festy sings um, at the start of that scene, Come Away Death, is my favorite song in Shakespeare because I think it's the most evocative and painful. I don't necessarily think Orsino deserves it. I think there are characters in the canon who deserve that song a little bit more. But I do think that he feels it. It kind of explores the depth of his um, connection to music and, and feeling and, and all of that. I think that I think he does. I think he's the type of person that puts on music and like really gets into a kind of a, a spiral as he listens through it. It's so interesting. We had uh, such a like we had a discussion in our class about it that if you heard this song come away death in a production, what do you think your response is going to be? And half of the students were saying, oh, it'll be very, you know, it'll put a damper on the proceedings because it's it's so melancholy and you realize that nobody's quite getting what they want. And the rest of the students said that they're just going to laugh at Orsino, thinking that really... I don't think you have, you know, as you said, deserved this song. You know, a girl rejects you and suddenly you're like, come away death and you're slain by a cruel maid and things like that. So it's very interesting, isn't it, that it, it divides opinion. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm convinced he does. I'm convinced that he does appreciate music. Um, ah, yeah. I, that's all I got for Orsino. I think that his potential is, I think we see a full, a very full snapshot of who Beatrice is. We see her arc, we see her ups, we see her downs. Um, and I think we see a very small sliver of Orsino's potential. And so we've got to use our imaginations a little bit and extrapolate beyond the play. Uh, but I do think he, there's some potential there. I think that I prefer seeing Orsino played very young rather than played uh, older because I think that his attitude is a lot more forgivable <laughs> if he's young. Agreed, 100%. Agreed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's got a lot of growing up to do. He, by the end of the play, has found happiness. And he, 
I think that it takes a lot for someone to recognize a genuine connection regardless of gender that they've made with another person and i think that says a lot about who he is that he can realize oh this is a person that i do have genuine a genuine connection with and i have feelings for and i never would have admitted that to myself or the world if it hadn't been for this like wild ride that we've been on so i think that takes a lot and makes him a pretty you know pretty decent and open person for himself to give himself that happiness despite the situation. I think it's very clever that you have uh, argued that Orsino has potential and made us see beyond the play. Because I'll have to agree with you completely on that. Yes. But I will point <laughs> out that it took a whole play, you know, a whole play for him to get there. Uh-huh. Um, it's not about the length of the journey. It's about reaching the of destination. <laughs> Completely. No, you're right. Like people don't, people don't realize this after a lifetime. So a play That's is true. fine. A play is a good length of time. And whatever three months or whatever they say um, mm -hmm. they have spent together to realize a genuine connection. Yeah. Listeners... What do you think? Do you think that the best personality in Shakespeare is Beatrice? Or do you think it's Duke Orsino? You can vote at facebook.com slash p2mpod or on Twitter at p2mpod. Farsha, thank you so much again for coming on and just honestly having the, the chance for this podcast to give some time to Beatrice, which she well deserves. <laughs> I, I loved it. I really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you for having me on your brilliant, brilliant uh, podcast. Thank you. And let everyone know again where they can find Women and Shakespeare. Yes. Check out Women and Shakespeare at www.womenandshakespeare.com. I 100% recommend everyone stop this podcast. Go to the next one. Go to Women in Shakespeare because they're all on the same surfaces so you can find it super easy uh, and it really is great. Thank you again, Varsha. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Serious Business.